This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Ponco Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponco is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponco if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner. Um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am. Um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything we can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas pod, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Jared Diamond, longtime MLB writer, covered the Mets and you know, that you got you got out of it like you 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 came out of covering the Mets for years and years. I can't imagine, Jared. How did you do it? Covering the Mets is an experience unlike any other in sports. <laughs> I did it for about four years. Uh, it was an adventure. I actually miss it sometimes because it was just so crazy. No other baseball team. I don't think any other team in sports has. Maybe the Knicks. Maybe the Knicks are the only comparable team that has so many just insane happenings, things that just don't happen to anybody else. Nobody else in baseball has the things happen to them that happens to the Mets. They wind up in the most crazy sort of PR nightmares and not even scandals. They're, they're never scandals. They're just like weird, unforced errors that cause like a four-day news cycle that should have lasted 20 minutes. Uh, it's really remarkable. And no other team has that happen to them. So it was certainly an adventure. It's a lot. My life is a lot calmer now that I don't spend much time around the Mets. Who do you miss most talking to with the Mets as much as you did? Oh, God. 
I mean, David Wright retiring was brutal. That was just devastating. Uh, one, David Wright is probably the nicest human being I've ever met, at least in a, in baseball. Really? Uh, yeah, he's the best. The such a professional, such a good guy. He doesn't say anything, right? <laughs> he's not he's not going to fill up your notebook by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. Uh, but just so genuine and so thoughtful and so caring. Uh, he's just a really he's just a good guy, just truly, honestly, a good guy. And it was just so sad to me how his career ended the way it did, right? He, the way he had to retire, the back injury. Uh, it's really a shame because this is a guy that could have had a Hall of Fame career uh, that was just cut short by no fault of his own. And some of my you know, favorite memories of covering baseball involve David Wright. Uh, I, I think back a lot to 2015, uh, which was the most incredible year, of course, covering the Mets. They go to the World Series. It was absolutely wild. David had missed so much time with the, the spinal stenosis and he comes back uh, toward the end of the year for the playoffs and what he was going through just to play during that time is just remarkable. He was showing up to the ballpark at like nine o'clock in the morning for a seven o'clock game uh, and having work done on his back the whole time just so he could play third base for nine innings. It was, it was wild. So after the game, after the fifth game, when they, they obviously lost to the Royals, the last game was at city field. Uh, it was the whole game with Matt Harvey coming back out for the ninth. I'm sure everyone remembers. Lucas Duda made the bad throw. Doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> After the game, there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of sadness. And David Wright stands at his locker in, in a silent Mets clubhouse. A uh, lot of sad faces after after losing a World Series that really they they made a lot of mistakes in and really had a much had a real opportunity to win all of the games they lost and they sort of blew it away in many chances in many cases david stood by his locker for an hour maybe fielding questions from wave after wave of reporters the the crowd around his locker was enormous it would be sort of one arc and then those people would leave and the next group would come in they'd ask the exact same questions and that group (laughs) would leave and do it and david just stood there for an hour and answered every question Never got short with anybody, never sort of said, hey, I already answered that, even though he'd already answered all those questions three other times. And it was really amazing. It just shows uh, how much professional he was. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I, I do I do miss him. There's a book coming out. He's writing. He has a, a, a memoir coming out this summer uh, that should be pretty interesting. I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's probably going to be really like, – his story, I mean, it, it kind of rivals what's going on with Pedroia now, right, in Boston – where these just guys that I think everybody loved and their team, they just they loved the Mets fans will always love David Wright and Red Sox fans will always love Petroya, but just through no fault of their own, their body just betrayed them. Like just imagine being that kind of athlete and just working hard for so long to get it through. It's just not like a torn ACL. It's not like you just said Tommy John, you can come back. This is something that just stays with you, and it just sounds super painful. Like this is something that a lot of professional wrestlers deal with, and um, it ends careers. And it's just—it's got to be devastating, especially when you're just when you see yourself at the peak of your powers and what you could do and what kind of career you could have. To just know that like there's no kind of workout regimen that's going to help you beat this. It's it's brutal. It is brutal. At least Dustin Pedroia had the opportunity to win two rings. Yeah. With the Red Sox, he was there in 07. He was there in 13. So he he had really uh, he had that experience twice. And Dustin Pedroia is a great player, but it is very similar. A guy that certainly had more to give and uh, had it cut short. You know, David Wright, 
He never won a title. He finally got to the World Series in 2015, which was, you know, it was pretty remarkable as we talked about. Uh, That was basically it for him. He only played in 39 games after 2015. Um, And the other thing about David, specifically, since we were talking about him, is I don't think most baseball fans outside of maybe Mets fans realize how good he was. David Wright was an incredible, incredible player for for a long time, or you know, not as long as it could have been, but for a good amount of time, you know, from 2005 to 2010. So what's that? Six seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, his batting average was 306. His OPS was 902. OPS plus of 137. Uh, that's like that's really good. He averaged 26 home runs a year during that time. How many RBIs? How good is my math? 104 RBIs during that time. That's a six-year stretch where he was one of the best players in baseball, playing for some some bad teams, some disappointing teams. Uh, I think Mets fans appreciate it, realize how good he was. But I don't know if the baseball world at large sort of remembers that this was not just like a good player. This was a great player. Like I said, a guy who really had a Hall, had Hall of Fame talent and had it cut short. And you can't blame them because when you've just been out of – the public spotlight for so long rehabbing and trying to get back. It's, it's easy to to just forget stuff like that. Um, but maybe the book will shine light on that. So I'm, I'm interested. I'll read it. Uh, but like you said, he, he's got maybe the Matt Ryan feel where Matt Ryan by all accounts is just a super nice, friendly guy. Um, but I, I, I'll go ahead and tell you, Jared, I, I have no interest in having him on my podcast. Like, I'm never going to send out uh, an email to the communications department in Atlanta and be like, hey, what can I get 20 minutes with Matt Ryan? I, I think <laughs> I'm good there. I, I, <laughs> I, I respect him. Seems like a great guy. I, I just I don't I don't think he's going to bring a lot to the table because I think they're just really smart. And they're just like, no, I'm going to give you the 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 cliche stuff, which I, I don't hate when athletes do that because like I get it. Because if I was in your shoes, I probably would too. Um, what do you make of like? Because this, the other thing with the Mets too is like we had the J Lo A Rod stuff of them trying to buy into the Mets, but like I don't know how much people like dug into what happened with the Cohen buy and just the negotiations that went on, and just what's happened in the past when teams have tried to negotiate with the Wilpons. What, from your experience, have you gleamed about? how this Mets sale works? Like, are they just always on the market and listening to the best offers or like, why are they self-sabotaging at the last minute? Like that was just wild where it was just like, Oh, we'll come back with this thing. And then actually we're going to have complete control still, but you still have the majority of the shares. And like, it's all weird, weird stuff. Like, what are you doing? Or do you want to sell this team or do you not like what, what is their thinking right now? (laughs) Well, the last question you answered is really what it comes down to, which is, do they want to sell the team or not? Yeah. No, they don't want to sell the team. Uh, but are they going to sell the team? Yeah. It's not what they want to do. It's more along the lines of what they have to do at this point. Why do they have uh, to sell the team? Well, like, there's a lot of potential reasons, and some of it is speculative, so I don't want to you know, spread any rumors. Uh, but look, they have, there's reason to believe that they will at some point – need cash uh, for Fred Wilpon's estate when he when he dies. He's not a young man. Uh, that's been an issue. So that's one thing that we could talk about why they might need to sell the team. Another one is that it's sort of long been discussed that some of the Mets partners, uh, non-Wilpon partners like Saul Katz, 
uh, don't necessarily want Jeff Wilpon taking over the team. Uh, that's another reason. You know, some of, like I said, some of this is speculative, but uh, there's just a, there's a few reasons why it seems like the Mets are uh, the Wilpons are being somewhat forced into selling the team. I, they've always said they wanted it to be sort of a family heirloom, and suddenly they find themselves shopping it, which tells you that something has happened that's sort of uh, changed their feelings on that. Uh, you know, if you're a Mets fan, it's incredibly frustrating how this has all gone down. They had a deal in place to sell the team to Steve Cohen, who would have been the wealthiest owner in all of baseball, for like $2.5 billion, and it fell apart. And and honestly, at the end of the day, the laugh will probably be on the Wilpons because there's just – I don't – I don't see how they could reasonably expect to get that much money for the team now after that. I mean, they had an opportunity to get two and a half billion dollars for the Mets. Uh, things have changed. They probably don't end up getting that much at this point, unless they're willing to put SNY into the deal, which is a whole other issue. We could spend an hour talking about the sale of the Mets and all the weirdness around it. Uh, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered there. Does your gut tell you? J-Lo and A-Rod are minority owners of the Mets within the year. God, what does minority mean? How minority are we talking about? Like I mean, the reality is, <laughs> uh, No, I don't. Okay. And the reason I don't think so is because I don't see any way Alex Rodriguez accepts an ownership situation where he doesn't have power, mm-hmm. control, and I he know everyone's... Thing. Right, and that was so unusual, that Jeter situation. It is incredibly rare... That somebody rich, there's somebody out there who's rich enough to own a baseball team, and also willing to let somebody else run the team. Yeah, that basically doesn't exist. Somehow Derek Jeter found that guy in Bruce Sherman, but I don't see, Jeter's I don't see Alex, I don't see, yeah, I don't see a Rod finding that person. That's like, yeah, I'll put up all the money. By the way, for the Mets, not the Marlins. So we're talking about like double the price or more. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I'm not going to run it. You are if you buy a baseball team because you want to play with your toy. But this is what owners should do. Like, this is what you would want, right? Like, I don't know how A-Rod would be running a team, but, like, the idea of just buying it and then hiring people to run it and trust them. Like, that, you want the, the Holt situation in San Antonio where, like, R.C. Buford and Popovich have just been running it for years and years. And he's like, nope, I trust you guys. You're good. Um, you would mm-hmm. think that, but now just so many owners want to be hands-on. Like that's just the new wave. They want to be involved in day-to-day decision making. And um, I don't know. I, I I wonder who's like responsible for this. Like this growing trend of like you don't just want uh, to own a team in this vanity thing. It's like no, I'd rather be directly in, involved with uh, my my franchise that I spent a lot of money on. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between there's a difference between sort of uh, being involved on the baseball or the sports side and yeah. being the control person of the team. Like I agree with what you're saying that a good owner, a good owner in sports, like they don't get involved with the baseball decisions or like the roster building decisions, but you still want to have say, like you still want to be like the owner. You still want to be the control person. You still want to be that guy. And look, I don't, I understand if you owned a baseball team, wouldn't you want to move the pieces around and, how, why own, why a own a team if it's know. not fun? Like, I think it's just a different mindset, like being a general manager versus an owner. Like if I'm worth billions of dollars, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, a, I'd never want to be in that situation um, because I just don't think we should have billionaires. But like, I also, I don't know. It really just depends on who I am. Cause I like, are a lot of these owners longtime baseball people? Like I am one of those people. And I don't know if you share this where 
I am very comfortable knowing what I know and understanding what I don't know and staying away from that kind of stuff. Like that doesn't mean I don't try and learn more about it or I don't try to, but like if I don't feel comfortable making big decisions or having a strong opinion about something because I literally just have no context for that thing, then I don't want to be involved. I would much rather hire an expert. Like I'm not going to go try and fix my car. I, I, try, I have a mechanic that I've trusted for 15 years. He's great. That's who I'm going to go to. So like, the way I think, I would not. But if I grew up a huge baseball fan and then I became a billionaire and I was like, you know what? I can do this myself. Then sure. I guess it'd be a little bit different. But if I'd been working at Home Depot as a CEO for 30 years and then was like, you know what? I think I can turn this team into a Super Bowl contender. No, I, I would not think that way. I would hire people that can sell me on what they're doing and everything else and I can give the final say. But no, I would not want to be involved with like Jerry Jones where he's just scouting and watching CD lamb tape. No. Well, yes, I agree with that. Like Jerry Jones is not a good example here, but why own a baseball team? It's not, it's not a good enough investment. If you're going to just do it as an investment, it has to be fun. There's way better ways to invest your money than in a sports team. If your goal is just to make money. Uh, If you, if you're going to own a sports team, it's not just to make money. You'd be better off just putting that money in stocks than spending it on a baseball team or a sports team. So I think you're going to buy a baseball team because you want to say you own a baseball team because <laughs> it's fun. Because why else did you do it? Like, Because otherwise there's no point of doing it. Just just put your money in the stock market. You'll end up making way more in the long run and you won't have to work as hard. True, true. Um, Kumo, he was talking about baseball coming back. Um, I, What do you think? Do you think that there is baseball in New York in 2020? Like, what is your gut telling you? God, uh, uh, my aunt, you know, I don't know when, I know when we're recording this. I don't know when this is going to actually be available for people this to listen to. This will be up to. this afternoon. Okay. So even still, my opinion, my feelings on this could change between now and then, because I have gone from pessimistic to optimistic about baseball being played this year, seemingly every hour over the last few weeks. So uh, it's hard to say. In my heart, do I believe they're going to try to have a season this year? Yes, I do. Do I have any idea what it's going to look like or when? No, none. Uh, all these plans that we're hearing about, they're all speculative. Nobody knows anything. It's, it's just premature. And I know that's so uncomfortable for people to hear. No one wants to believe that it, we could be in a place where we just don't know yet. But that's the truth. It is just still too early to say this is what baseball is going to look like. like as we sit here today right now, it is, there's no possible way for baseball to play. It, it, there's no possible way for baseball to start in the foreseeable future as we sit here today. And that's because of the testing infrastructure. There needs to be widespread testing available so that baseball not only has access to a zillion tests, but also that they could do it ethically, that they're not taking it away from front workers or other sectors of the economy. And right now, that, that infrastructure just simply does not exist. Uh, now, will it exist in the future? There's reason to believe that, yes, it will. Uh, experts tend to say that there will be a time when testing is ubiquitous and that will no longer be a hurdle. We just don't know when that's going to be. But until we get to that point, there's no chance baseball could play. Now, once we get to that place where testing becomes possible, then we can start talking about a season. Then the next issue becomes, well, what happens if a, t- a player does test positive? That's still an issue that no one really knows the answer. You can't have a season if one positive test shuts it all down. Uh, You can't start a season under those circumstances. There has to be a way to sort of 
continue on if someone tests positive. Yep. They don't have a plan for that yet. Uh, so that's a long-winded way of saying I don't know, I guess. Um, but I really want there to be baseball. So in my heart, I'm clinging to optimism, even if I'm aware sort of in my mind that there's perhaps a lot of reason to be pessimistic. Have you gotten the test done? I have not. Um, I'm trying to avoid it because it sounds miserable. I've the got swab. it done um, at the hospital. I had a different strain of the flu. Luckily, knock on wood here. But um, it was uh, – let me go ahead and tell you, Jared. Uh, would not recommend. It is uh, – it took multiple uh, – I, I guess I'm going to have to use the, the term stabs here. But uh, it took multiple times because uh, you reflex and it that thing, it it keeps going. And I probably should have just closed my eyes at this point, but I'm just looking at it. I'm just, I asked, I think, at one point. I was like, you can just strap me down. Like, we can go super draconian. I understand if you, that's what you need to do because this is, uh, this is not going well. It is a, God, not a pleasant I, experience. So I have had – I've never had that particular test. I have, however, had um, – I don't know. Like, I've ever had a, a scope, like a camera, mm-hmm. that they had to check my throat. Um, oh. And the way they did it, they had to look down my throat, not like for a sore throat. The way they do it is like they 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 do it with a camera, like a very small camera, uh-huh. and they like it goes up through your nose and ultimately down like into your throat. It's horrible. So I imagine it's kind of like that. Huh. But seeing some of the pictures of it, it was like very violent looking. It's Maybe not, that was just. I, I think it's different. Like the one that I saw that Rex Chapman shared, um, mine wasn't that long, so I don't know why. Like it, it's long, but it's not like that that long. Uh, but it's just a weird sensation, man. Like I can imagine with what you're talking about with the scope, where you're just like, I, this thing is going. It, it's just weird. Like because I could feel it in like my sinuses and just right. And it keeps going and going. <laughs> like, when's this weird gonna end? It's really hard to explain right. to people. Where I'm just like, you have to experience it, but it blows your mind that this thing can go all the way up there. That's how your head works. It, you feel extremely stupid that you're just like, how does, how does this work? Is this really how right? Like how much room is really up there? Yeah, that's exactly. the thing that's so crazy. Aren't, uh, but aren't you as glad it was negative? Like, I feel like the, exactly. the calm, the, re, the sense of relief I would have uh, would be so wonderful. You know, it would almost make it okay that I had to do it. Absolutely. Knowing that it was negative. Absolutely. Um, but well, um, maybe there's a, like, maybe we'll get to a place. I don't know. Is there, is blood testing an option? I don't know, maybe there's like a, maybe they'll come up with a better way. Cause yeah, well, players even subject themselves to doing that like every week or every day. I don't know. I don't know. The temperature stuff's easy, but like, I guess the antibody testing and even that, like what you read is those haven't been entirely accurate enough to make it. They're not accurate. They're not. Yeah. And we also don't know if they mean anything. That's the other issue. We don't know if the antibody (laughs) testing means you're immune. So who cares? Exactly. So like, what are we doing here? Why are we still figuring this out? Um, Well, that's, that's why I'm saying that sports, like we all want sports to come back. And I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I don't want people to think I'm a doom and gloomer because I'm not. I really do believe that, like, you know, things are starting to slowly but surely get better. But I also know that, like, there's the second wave. The things could still get bad again. And, like, sports, as much as I love them and rely on them for work, they're just not a priority. It's just, like, a fact. Like, there's many other sectors of the economy that need to sort of come back before sports do in spite of, you know, Major League Baseball's incessant optimism. Uh, sometimes I'm just not sure these sports leagues are, are living in the real world. And of course, they're facing a lot of political pressure as well. Yeah. 
from from the administration, really pushing them to come back, which I imagine is, is a challenge. Absolutely. Um, true or false? Baseball games are happening as we're recording on July 1st. That's sort of like if you were setting an over-under, that's like that, that's my over-under day, yeah. right? Like that's sort of the, the push day. I could see that. If they don't have baseball uh, by like July or August, it's just not happening this year, I don't think. No, I think August 1st. No one has said this, but I'm just saying it. To me, August 1st is their deadline. I don't think you could start. I don't think you could start a season after August. Um, well, let me take that back. Let me take that back. You could have a baseball season if you start in August. Later than that, you cannot have a season the way we know a season to be. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that if they're let's say we get to August and they still can't play, does that mean there won't be any baseball in 2020? No, I don't think so necessarily. I think then what the idea comes is comes, okay. How do we come up with? Let's come up with some. Let's say we start in September or October. Let's come up with some like crazy one, two month, three month NCAA tournament style, you know, like playoff concept. It won't be a baseball season, but it'll be like a something kind of fun, you know. And so I think that could you could do something like that as late as October. Start that as late in October. Do October, November, and you know, have some sort of like crazy thirty team round robin style thing. Uh, but to have a season to me, August 1st is kind of the deadline. Uh, baseball very much sort of recognizes the optics of starting, of having baseball on July 4th. It's, su- mm. it's super cheesy. Yeah. But it's the Easter baseball, thing all over again. Like, I think they're, they, right, they have this like dream in their head of like, oh, July 4th baseball. Maybe it'll be possible. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. If, if I had like gun to my head, will they be playing on July 4th? I will say yes. Does that mean it, it's a good idea? I'm not going to go as far as there to say be that. Fans? No. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, no, I don't think there'll be fans this year at all. I know baseball is trying to push this idea that maybe later in the year we could have fans. Uh, I don't see that. I'd be surprised if there's fans like, this year at all. Fans, it would be earlier in the summer. Like you're not having it later with the second wave. Like I don't understand that line of thinking either, based on the well, we yeah. I fear sometimes that these sports leagues don't recognize that the second wave is a real possibility. And I'm not just talking about baseball here. Like all of these leagues seem. Yeah. Uh, and you know, look, maybe I'm wrong. I'm. Uh, what do I know? I'm just reading what everyone else reads. But like, it seems to me from where I said that we're still relatively early in this, mm. right? We're in like the third inning here. Yeah. And baseball teams are acting and not just baseball. I don't want to sing a lot of baseball sports leagues are acting like, you know, we're somewhere in the seventh inning. And now we're getting close to like the end game here, and we're gonna it's gonna be over soon. But do you get the sense that that's true? I mean, I still get the sense that we're closer, to, way closer to the beginning uh, than I the think end. What complicates everything is that it's just so different from state to state. That's what complicates everything. Is different states are going to make different choices. Different cities in those states are going to make different choices. It's so hard to get this into a unifying position where like all these different sports leagues want to come back and all this stuff. I'm like. But it's just not like Trump can just snap his fingers and everything's back to normal. Like, that's just not how it's going to work. And California is going to be under more restrictive measures than Texas. Like, we just, we know that. So how does that affect teams in Texas versus teams in California? Like, there's no way around that. Like, the federalism aspect of this, I just, that's something I think about a lot where these teams, like, it's going to get ugly with stuff like this because... If college football comes back, you see the the case from um, this past week where it was like, 
the SEC teams would play in the Pac-12 would sit out this season. Like, what does that do to the recruiting in the Pac-12? What does that do with that side of the country not playing and this side of the country playing? And just, I I don't know, man. I just think it's going to be really weird. And I think there's just not going to be this clean, let's move forward thing that all these sports leagues seem to want. I, I don't think that's how it's going to work. No, and I like I, I actually understand. I feel there's a lot of people, especially here in New York, who don't understand like how there's people out like having these protests and going out. Like, what's wrong with these people, right? And part of me is like, yeah, God, what's wrong with these people? But the other part of me is like, I understand where if you're not seeing it, mm-hmm. you kind of have trouble believing it. Right. If you live in New York, you are taking this incredibly serious because you're seeing it. You are, this is, it's, it's horrible here. It's Things are really five, bad. Right. Isn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, no one really knows, but a lot of people have it. And here in New York, you know, someone who has it. Everyone does. Right. Like if you don't, you know, someone who does like, it's really bad. So of course we're taking it seriously. But if you're in other places, you haven't even seen it. But the thing that drives me crazy is that just because you personally haven't seen it doesn't mean a, it's not real. And B doesn't mean that it won't happen to you. Like, for me, the takeaway from New York should be, okay, I better take this seriously to avoid New York coming to, I don't know, Minnesota or yeah. Iowa or whatever and serve your place. If you don't take it seriously, then just increase the odds that New York becomes like New York becomes somewhere else. That's what I don't understand. Like just I just like just because you don't see it, I get why that would make you wonder like what's the big deal. But like trust me, it is a big deal and take it seriously. And like, I miss sports more as much as anybody. I need sports, right? Like if there's no sports, I don't know what my job's going to look like. Right. Like I need sports. Many people rely on sports for their jobs. I have that thought every day. Like it sucks not having live sports to write about. Like it really sucks. I really, it's horrible. But I also am aware that in the grand scheme of this sports are such a, should be such, they're just not a big priority in the grand scheme of things. Like I hope sports to come back health safety safely this year, but there are other, there are other sectors of the economy that need to sort of come back before. I think we worry too much about sports and I hope it doesn't, I hope I don't sound, you know, I don't know how I come off saying that, but no, I think we're just talking this out. We don't have answers. We're just just thinking out loud. At the end of the day, sports are important to society, but uh, in this moment, they're not necessarily the most important thing. And sports fans don't like, don't always like hearing that because to them, it's like, what's the big deal? Let's just go. Let's yeah. just play it. But uh, I don't know. I, I want to believe baseball will be back this year. I still, like I said, I still believe it in my heart. There will be, but I just don't really know. <laughs> it's going to be weird no matter what. Um, when you were doing your, preseason uh analysis and just thinking about how the season would have gone um prior to the shutdown did you see a case for anyone other than the yankees winning the al could you see like when you're thinking about the teams because like the nl there's just it it's the dodgers obviously as a favorite the nats should be fine but like when you think about how like just crumbled up everything is in the nl central outside of the pirates and you think about all the different teams that could really actually surprise you like you could talk yourself into the diamondbacks you could talk yourself into the rockies maybe you could talk yourself into the padres there's a lot of teams you could talk yourself into winning the nl i don't think there's a lot of teams you can talk yourself into the al i think a third of the league is still terrible and plans to be terrible for the next couple of years you have the indians uh flirting with going back down that road for three to five years like there's a it's just the hierarchy in the al is 
is very crazy. There's no middle class in the AL. And when you think about that, you're like, well, how close are the Astros still to getting back and beating the Yankees? How close um, are the, I mean, just when you think about who else could do it, the Rays, like people really like the idea of the Rays. Can um, Austin Meadows turn into an MVP type guy? Like, was there anyone that you thought could really match the Yankees firepower in a seven game series and come out of the AL? Yeah, I have a hot take on this. Okay. Um, I was not, I didn't really make predictions. One, I never, like, I, I didn't make them, but there was no season. But if I were to have made predictions, I would not have picked the Yankees to win the AL. And you, didn't, and you didn't even name the team that I picked. Uh-oh. Would have so picked. not Rays. I mean, I'm guessing uh, well, A's. I, Minnesota Twins. Oh, no. I am oh, so no. <laughs> high on the Minnesota Twins. And let me tell you why. The Twins The Twins have probably the best lineup in, in, in the American League, maybe in all Does this baseball. have to do with your book? The home run nothing revolution. At all. And it has nothing to do with my book. Him. I do love Josh Donaldson, but okay. no. Uh, the Twins set the record for most home runs in the yeah. season last year. We all know that. They added Josh Donaldson to their lineup. Their lineup is absolutely insane. It is completely insane. It's better than the Yankees lineup, even fully healthy. It's the best lineup in the major leagues, is the Twins. It's absolutely incredible. Now, people say they're pitching. Their pitching is an issue. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm sort of operating in a world, and, I'm, and I really believe this would have happened, that the Twins would have gone out and gotten a, pitch, a pitcher at the trade deadline, and I would then put them against the Yankees because the Yankees, they're a great team, but their rotation after Garrett Cole is questionable at best, yeah. uh, and they've had so many injuries uh, that, like, I'm not saying the Yankees aren't a great team, but I really believe that this was finally going to be the year where the Twins uh, finally beat the Yankees. Yankee fans think I'm crazy right now. Twins fans are even probably like, really? No, I think the Twins were really good. They were great last year. Yeah, They just have this weird like bugaboo with the Yankees where they just can't beat them. But I don't know. We had this thing in our office just like we, before everything shut down, right? Mm-hmm. I, I guess if I, I guess it's okay if I don't say who it was. Yeah. Um, there are two people in my office that we had a whole conversation about this were saying how much they thought the Rays were a good team. Yeah. And they put down a bet on the Rays being the Yankees in the AL East. Because they were so convinced that like the Yankees were overrated and like the Rays were really good. And I'm not saying the Yankees are overrated, but I do kind of think that like, hey, the Rays are really good. The Twins are really good. And maybe the Yankees aren't quite as dominant as like everyone thinks. Like they're really good. They signed Garrett Cole. But I just think there's always this sort of uh, I don't know, like there's this whenever a team signs a huge free agent, they just get so much attention that everyone just like assumes they're just like golden. But the Yankees pitching is not very good after Garrett Cole, right? Like, who do you even know who their pitchers are after Cole? I mean, Tanaka, you have Lagarris, you have Montgomery. Um, who else? There's who is it? Who got hurt? There's someone else in the middle so of the rotation. Severino got Severino, hurt. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's out. So it's it's like Tanaka, and then who knows? Yeah, like yeah, you know, their bullpen is very good, but they don't have Batanzas anymore. And then Paxton, anymore. he'll come back. But, yeah, but he's hurt all the time too. Yeah. Like again, do I think the Yankees are the best team in the American League? Honestly, yes, like I do. But do I think they're like uh, the way you described it, like so far and away better than everybody else? No, I think I, I think the Twins and the Rays, and I guess still the Astros, kind of fit in that conversation. Um, Can you imagine if know. the Astros do it again? Can you? I just the what that actually looks like and if they did it in this type of season 
where things are weird and we get like the three division 10 team thing. I won an Astros Dodgers World Series so bad <laughs> that I almost like I'm I hope I like don't want the like three division plan to be the actual plan because that would like allow probably for no I don't know if you could have an Astros Dodgers World Series in that like mm-hmm. scenario and that's like the only thing I want in life is an Astros Dodgers <laughs> World Series rematch. It would just be so insane I want it so bad. I feel bad It'd be for the Dodgers. so fun. It would. But like how many years can you keep going back? Like they're in an unprecedented territory right now with just the 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 losses and that Buffalo Bills type situation where I I'm just I'm hedging so much on them not getting back because it's just so hard to get back over and over again after you keep losing. Like most teams wouldn't, just don't do that. Wouldn't it be crazy if there's no season and they never get to have Mookie Betts? It'd be so wild. That. Like that would be so nuts. <sighs> I still just can't believe he's just the Dodger that the Red Sox actually did it. Like we, if he never plays a regular season game for the Dodgers, was he ever really a Dodger? That's a good question. The Red Sox just signed him again in the off season to a $200 million contract, $250 million contract. And then it's like, he never left if there's no season that I mean, and then Alex Cora gets rehired and they just, the Oh back goodness. Together. I know the Red Sox are like, Oh, we're not going to rehire uh, Alex Cora. I've heard I've, People who are plugged in there, they've told me to expect that that's a real possibility. Oh, I, I absolutely believe it's a real possibility. I don't care what they say publicly. Like, do I, I like 100% believe that there's like a scenario where they bring Cora back? Because it's not be amazing. Be mad about it. There's no PR hit in Boston for bringing back Cora. By they all accounts, want him like back. He's below. The fans loved him yes. and the players loved him. Be, that would be wild. Now, I don't think Jeff Lunau is going back to the Astros, though. No, I don't. that one, I, that one, I don't see coming, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, do you think he's back? I mean, this is in my notes for you. Like if you had to guess, I guess if you had to rank most likely be back in baseball within the next three years between Cora, Lunhow and um, Hinch, how would you rank them? It seems like you would go one Cora, two Hinch, three. I'd actually Lunau. go hit. I actually might even, I don't know. Hinch and Cora, honestly, I think both Hinch and Cora basically in a hundred percent chance of getting back into baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't even really think it's that complicated. I think Hinch and Cora are basically a hundred percent likely to get back into baseball, and Lunau is like close to zero. Zero for Lunau. Close, no, I wouldn't say zero, but close to it. I don't see Jeff Lunau getting another job as a GM right mm-hmm. away. Like, is it possible some team like brings him back as like special assistant, and then things happen, becomes a GM again? Like, yeah, I guess so. I guess that's possible. But but AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, I think, are like almost certain to be managing like as soon as next year. AJ mm-hmm. Hinch to me is like a no brainer because if you if you think back to the Astros whole situation and the statement and Rob Manfred's report and all that nonsense, he telegraphed in that report that like he was all in on Hinch coming back. Like he yeah. was very gentle on AJ Hinch. It struck me that like he kind of wants AJ Hinch back in baseball, or at least was like okay with it. So I don't think there's any way Hinch doesn't come back. And with Cora, it's like I would a few weeks ago I would have said he won't be back, but things have changed since the Red Sox report came out, you know. Um, and he was really like treated a lot more generously than expected, Alex Cora. So now I'm like, all right, well maybe he could get back too. And then it's amazing, too, because who had Beltran being the most likely to never be allowed anywhere near them again? Like, Beltran <laughs> somehow coming out worse than all those guys. Like, it's 
the stuff with the, with the reports about Beltron, it was just like, oh my god, like his is way worse. Beltron is way worse. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, he didn't get to manage a single game. He was going to be a Hall of Famer. That's gone. Yeah, like, Beltran was one of my favorite players to watch. I think Beltron still has a chance to get back at some point. Really? Probably not as a manager right away. But, but if he's, he's willing to get in the hall with what? Oh, in the hall. It's going to be tough. I don't think so. But do I think he'd get a job as like, if he wanted to do this, like a job as a bench coach and then work his way back to managing? I think he could, yeah. Okay. I think it's possible. I, do. I, think it's gonna I just don't know if he's going to be willing to do that. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, I, I really, I truly believe AJ Hinch and Alex Cora are both managing next year. Again, unless there's no season this year, of course, and then no one gets fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if there's a season, if there, if like, if there are openings, I, I honestly think those two will be like among the first two to be tapped. I do. What teams do you want to see in 2020? Like, if baseball resumes, and this is something you thought about before the, the stuff happened with that caveat, obviously, but who did you have penciled in as like, I'm going to watch, make sure to watch a lot of this team this season? Tampa Bay. Okay. Tampa Bay. Uh, they're so good to me. Uh, I would argue that the Rays have definitely the best pitching in the American League. And yeah. the only team whose pitching I would put ahead of theirs in all of baseball is, is Washington. I would have put the Mets in that conversation, but with Syndergaard out, uh, that really hurts them. So I, I would say that the only team in baseball that I would say is better pitching than Tampa Bay is, is Washington. It's so good to see Snell, Morton, and Glasnow, like one, two, three, lined up. Yeah. So, yeah, the question's always that like, are they Pirates trade is an all-timer, by the way. Oh, it's really bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Uh, it was really be an bad. MVP. Like, that's... Right, and like, Glasnow could be a Cy Young guy. Like, he could be. He's that good. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, and then, like, their lineup has questions, but, like, it's also like a really fun lineup. Like, you mentioned... Austin Meadows, like, could he become, like, an MVP kind of guy? Or, like, you know, and uh, G-Man Choi is, like, one of my favorite players to watch in baseball. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, a big, happy, like, <laughs> fat guy who hits bombs, you know? And they just mm-hmm. and they just signed that, uh, like, that Japanese player, Sutsuga. Like, I have no idea if he was going to be good or not, but I was, like, curious about him. They've been you know, I just think, in the pipeline waiting. Right. And I just think the Rays are just like a really fun, fascinating team. And I really like them. Mm. And I was like really excited to see like if they could give the Yankees a run for their money. I mean, they, they did. They, they won how many they win last 90 year? 90 something. More. They won more than 90. I didn't think they've gotten 100, did they? I no, I don't think they got to 100, but it was in it was the like 90s. 97, I want to say. Yeah, it was like 97, 98, something like that. Like they're really good and they're probably better than they were last year. Yeah, um, they won 96. Yeah, they're really good. So that was one team I was like really excited um, to watch. Uh, I was actually excited to watch the Mets. I, th- I thought the yeah. Mets had a chance to be really good. Like Syndergaard getting hurt really stinks. That hurts them a lot. But like they're they're really interesting to me. Like I thought they had a chance to be good. I think the Braves are, you know, really interesting. Um, and sort of on a, for a different reason, I was really interested in seeing the Cubs. Uh, I really was just wondering like what the what life would be like for the Cubs now. Joe Madden's gone, you know, like they've the is their window still weird. open? Yeah, I was like curious, like is the Cub are the Cubs still like a viable team or not? Like that they the Cubs are like that really I, I love teams like this. Like the Cubs were that team where if you told me they won the World Series or finished in last place, I'd been like, okay. <laughs> like there's yeah. like a scenario to me where they're amazing and like recreate 2016 and win the whole thing. 
And there's also a scenario where they're just horrible and, and like would have like lost 95 games. And like what either one year? What was would the have been rankings plausible. that people were arguing about. Um, because I think they were projected to get like what 70 something wins, and people were like, What? How did the Cubs only get? Me? Yeah, they were really, yeah, Pakota was like really low on the Cubs last year. Uh, and they weren't, they were pretty good. They were like better than the Pakota thought, but they but obviously the kind of fizzled out. Coming. Like it's going to yeah. happen. Right. But there's also part of me that's like, well, like the Joe Madden thing, it kind of like worn thin. They clearly needed like a new face. Is maybe like with a different sort of leadership structure, like guys, because they have the talent, right? They just weren't really doing it. Like they were always underachieving. And it was like, well, maybe they all just like are good again. That's what, but there's also a world where the Cubs this year would have just been horrible. Like everything just fell apart. You know, like I really saw like either one. And I would think teams like that are really fun where you're like, this team could win 100 or lose 100. I kind of believe either. I just always think that's like a really crazy situation. Yeah. Last thing, and then we'll wrap up here. Um, which team do you think had the weirdest offseason when you're going back through their, their roster moves on Spotrack or wherever? Um, who do you think had like the weirdest offseason? The weirdest offseason? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I mean, the, the Angels stand out to me because they whiffed on every pitcher. Like, yes, they signed Anthony Rendon, which is awesome. Well, part of it wasn't their fault. The trade with um, Jock and what was that? What, who was in that? Wasn't it Jock and Ross Strapling or who was in that? Yeah, but it wasn't going to be one of the big pitchers that they really wanted. Like, the Cole, like I really thought they were going to sign Garrett Cole. Like, I really did. And they like, whiffed on him completely. Um, so that's like, it's like, I like the Angels. I loved how the Angels were like, well, our pitching isn't good. But let's just go sign the best hitter on the market and just see if we could slug our way to success. Like, they would have been fun, right? Like, wouldn't they have been fun? The, the Angels would have been really fun this year. I think like, to have a lineup be, with yeah. Trout, Otani, and Rendon. Like, that's just awesome. Like, and like, their pitching is so, like, who the heck knows? But they're just like, you know what? We Our pitching isn't going to be very good, but it's going to be fine because we're just going to mash. Yeah. You know, like, I just, <laughs> I kind of respect that attitude. You know, it's like, let's just try to score eight runs a game and like slug our way to success. Yeah. Because like you have Mike Trout and like, I don't, I don't hate anything that they're trying to do right now. I think Epler, well, I think it's also Epler is in a, um, I don't know if you feel the same, but it seems like he has to make the playoffs or he's, he yeah, yeah he's, he's one of those like on the hot seat. GMs. Right. There's a few of those guys this year. I think AJ Preller with San Diego is on that list. My uh, guy. It, I'm uh, just, I'm, I'm so excited. AJ Preller. Just belongs in baseball. I, I he's, love AJ Preller. He's on that list. I, I think. I think uh, Rick Hahn with the White Sox. His his hmm. sort of window is closing. They've been sort of like the next big thing for a while. Um, I think the White Sox have to really show progress, or there could be changes there. I also think the folks in Cincinnati could be on a little thin ice if they don't get good soon as well. But but I like what they've been doing. Like the White Sox and the Reds. I mean, they're they're close. Uh, like you can make I think the case. Reds are. I think the Reds are close. Yeah, I think the Reds are very close. I like what they've done, and I think the White Sox are close too. Um, I don't. Unfortunately for AJ Preller, who I also really like a lot personally, and really want them to have success. I'm just not sure the Padres are there. Yeah, I just love how he operates. Like, let's just go all in, trade for the Uptons. Let's just blow it all up, sign Eric Hosmer. Let's just let's get nuts, and then it's like, nope, I'm gonna go back and build the best farm system in baseball. So for the next I'm gonna. I'm going to tell you an AJ Preller story before we go. I could tell this story. He knows he, 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 he'd be okay with me telling this story. So 
he probably won't listen to this anyway, right? I think I do prowlers among your listeners. Ah, uh, you never know, but uh, I, I may have to text him and tell him to listen to this just to that, tell him I, hey, that I'm I, that I'm telling this story. Yeah. So AJ Preller, for those for those who don't know, is a is a pickup basketball sort of wizard. He's like a really good like pickup basketball player. Like he he's like re- he's really good, like legitimately really good. Like he's a really fast, really good hand, really good shot, and he he he. Plays so much pickup basketball, like it's his life. He's not working. <laughs> it's like his favorite thing to do that's not work is play ball. So for years he was like always trying to get me in spring training to come to his game um, during spring training, like come play pickup with him. And I was like, great. So the game, I said, when's the game? He's like, oh, is it like you know five o'clock in the morning at some like LA Fitness in Phoenix or like in Scottsdale or something? So I was like, no, I'm not going to that. But he kept asking. So this was like a year a year ago. It was last spring training. I finally said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to set my alarm for 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go to this stupid pickup game at LA Fitness or whatever. You know, one of those type of places in Scottsdale. So I drive there. It's like 5 o'clock in the morning. It's, like, it's still dark, you know. I get to the facility. I go inside. I go to the desk. I give my name. He's like, yeah, you're not on the list. Like, no one, no one left your name. I'm like, oh my god. I call AJ Preller repeatedly. Does not pick up. <laughs> call, call, call. Does not pick up. I finally leave. I am driving back. It's now like I'm now going to work. It's like 7:45 in the morning. I'm going to like some clubhouse for work. AJ Preller calls. He's like, oh hey, yeah, I just got all your messages. I was already playing in my pants, or like in my sweatpants. Uh, sorry. He's like, I thought I put your name down. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, AJ, if you're listening, I still uh, I, I still don't forgive you for making me wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So he then... never, like, another time, like at a more normal time? He never... Like... No, that's when he plays. He plays at 5 o'clock in the morning. Why? I don't know. He works all the time. Like, when else... It's like the only time when he doesn't have like phone calls. I don't know. I don't know what baseball GMs do. Like, I'm not at other people. I didn't know other people were playing. That's what I asked. Morning. I said, who is he? He's like, it's just guys. It's like people that like, like, you know, like teachers and like people that have like, like people that work in hospitals. Like there's a lot of people that like to get to work at like seven, you know? Yeah. So they work out at like five. I guess. That's, that's what I, I, yeah, that's what I was wondering too. He said, it's just like guys. Like it's not just like, it's not baseball people. It's just like guys. It's like random people. I was gonna say, Isn't that crazy? Have the the video of Preller's uh, his jump shot and see what he if he's actually as good as he. No, he is good. No, I know he's good. I've heard from. I, I know he's good. Like, oh, like it's not like like what is good? It's all relative, right? Yeah. Like, he, we're all. He's still just like a not very tall white guy. Like I'm not dresses. You well. know what I'm saying? Dresses well. Yes, he does. But like, I'm not saying he's like a superstar. Or but he's like for a, like for like a random guy you'd see it like an LA Fitness. He's good. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying? Baseball GMs, like you go in, like I don't think he anyone he plays with is like, is that AJ Preller? Like baseball GMs, I don't think people know like most of them. If they just walked around. If Alex Anthopoulos walked around Atlanta, I I don't think most people. Right, I feel like, when he just like, he's just like he's just a guy. Yeah, he's just a guy. And he and probably likes AJ Preller, that, where he can just play and not think about um, maybe yeah, exactly. contract or anything. Like he can. Yeah, just... <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I I never went back to play with him again. Maybe I'll give him another shot next year. AJ, if you're listening, uh, you know, maybe we could still run it sometime, but uh, I'm still kind of annoyed a year later about that situation. I could tell. I could hear it in your voice. You, I could tell you're still. This is like, like a this is like a very famous story in baseball circles. Like 
people like have heard of this. I've told like people just like, this story has been passed around like other baseball writers. Everyone knows about this. So I think it's fine that's out in the public. Awesome. Awesome. AJ, now that we know you're listening, because Jared sent it your way. You have a you always have a place in this podcast to retort Jared's story and Yeah, make, I'm sure he'll amends. say that he did I'm sure he'll say that he did leave my name down and it was, you know, someone else's fault. Mm. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, AJ. I don't know about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, this is uh, this has been a blast. I appreciate you making the time. What would you like uh, to plug before we get out of here? Well, I do have a book. You do? It's called Swing Kings. Uh, it came out a month ago. Um, so I'm promoting a book during a global pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, which is hard to do. I'm not sure if you knew that. It's that's not easy. Yeah. Um, so like bookstores are closed, but I, I, but the book is still available to be bought online at your local bookstore website. Of course, Amazon, um, it's the story of the home run surge in baseball and some of the crazy independent coaches that have, uh, been leading the charge of change. It's, you know, it's a, I hope it's a good story. If the people who have read it seem to have really been digging it. So, uh, give it a shot. I think it'll give you a taste of baseball at the time we're all missing it. Do I get a signed copy for you coming on the podcast? Do I get a, a personalized Jared Diamond Swing Kings book? I don't have any more envelopes. I'm not. It's actually not a joke. <laughs> I ran out of padded envelopes to send book in books in. Nice. So I may have to, you know, uh, I don't know. AJ I, here. I, I was telling friends. I was telling friends that I only sign copies that are bought. No, no freebies. Okay. But how would you know I bought it? How would you know I'm the one who bought it? You got to. Send me if you if people send me their am like a, a confirmation of them buying the book, I will send them a signed book plate. I will I can make that deal right now. A okay. book plate's like a little like a little like postcard type that has the book logo on. You kind of like put it in the book hmm. in lieu of a signed book. I have a lot of them, and I will mail one to anyone who sends me their confirmation of buying the book. Okay, I like it. Signed. That's fair. That's fair. I will do that. All right, Jared, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Stay safe, sir. And don't be a stranger. We should do this again more often. Yeah, sounds fun. I'd love to. Thanks a lot. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase Thomas writer. Um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. You could go to chase which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, So go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, So that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.